So this morning we're in Mark chapter 11, uh, verses 27 through 33. Uh, and so that's what we'll be uh, reading there uh, in a moment. Mark is young. One of the neat things about the God of word, uh, the, the word of God is God allows the personalities of the writers to just come out all over the pages. And when you read First uh, uh, Peter, for instance, uh, or second, you can take either one, you, you read this guy who's this magnificent, wonderful, follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you get all of that and you glean all and you feel that and you understand that. You feel like you know him personally, like you're sitting in the room with him when you keep reading his works. But then you go back into the gospel accounts and read about Peter there and you say to yourself, is this the same guy? Well, it is. But that's what God does when he transforms us. And he takes us from here and he puts us over there. And you read that thing. When you, there's no doubt when we read Paul's writings, what this brilliant theologian. Paul sat at the feet of Gamaliel. I mean, he was the Albert Einstein, the most brilliant mind alive in the Jewish community of his days. And after he is converted to the Lord Jesus Christ, all of that oozes out in all of his writing. And we see all of that. Same thing in the gospel accounts. John and uh, uh, Matthew. Mark, a doctor. Um, so... Mark, the book, where some, it's a short book, but long chapters. And uh, when you read Mark, you get his personalities. If you know a little, if you understand that he's young, and think about that, and you think about this, uh, this man, uh, not necessarily young in the Lord, but young in, in age, and you read his writings, and he makes these blunt statements a lot. Uh, he just says something, boom, and, and impresses uh, you with it. Uh, Mark is not the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He's the voice of one screaming out the almighty works of God and his excitement that he has uh, when you, you get all that in his right. Now, I understand that's just a sub-point. The point is, it's God writing this. But he allows these personalities to come in uh, to his writing. And so uh, that's where we are here in uh, Mark chapter 11. Uh, Jesus has been in the temple once. In the first part of the chapter, you'll catch something that he goes from Bethany into the Jerusalem and he goes into the temple. And it basically, my, my wording, not the Lord, he basically goes in and looks around. And he leaves. He goes back to Bethany. And then, the next morning, he goes back in. And the crooks are sitting there with their tables selling these little indulgences, doves, and anything else they can make money off of. And they're making money off of the house of God. And he goes in and he turns the uh, changers' tables over, turns them upside down, and he runs those guys out uh, of the temple. And then he goes back to Bethany. And then he comes back. And we get to our chapter where we're at here, and I'll read uh, 
Uh, I'm just going to read, I'm, I'm going to do verse 27 through 33 here, but I'm just going to read the first two verses to get us going here. And it says, and they came again to Jerusalem. Now remember, he's just turned everything upside down in the temple and ran off these guys that were trying to make money and they were crooked and, and doing these things. Uh, let me make another point that I think maybe I should make at this point. Uh, we've had, when Jesus appears on the scene, we've had 400 what they call the silent years. And during that time, They've gone from what the temple was like into the, in the Old Testament, degrading over 400 years, to the point when Jesus comes on the scene that it's corrupt, it isn't what it used to be, the offerings aren't what they used to be, the leaders aren't what they used to be, and so it's a very different attitude, it's a very different time than it was 400 years before when they were more correctly worshiping the Lord as he's described to them in the book of Deuteronomy and Leviticus and all that. And so it's degraded greatly from that. And so we uh, get to verse 27, it says, and they came again to Jerusalem, Jesus and the followers. And he was walking in the temple, Jesus. There come to him the chief priests and the scribes and the elders, and they say unto him, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority to do these things? That's what has going on here. And there's a group here. Now, did you catch that? Uh, uh, let me just say it again. We have the chief priests, plural. And we have the scribes and the elders. These are the rulers of the temple. These guys have the power of life and death. These guys can say, stone him. There's no question about it. They would take that individual out, lay him down outside the walls of the city where there's a gigantic pile of rocks. They didn't stone him. <laughs> they stoned him. They would take these big rocks and crush you with them. They have that kind of power. And yet, I'm not going to say all of them are. We, we find them, uh, Ananias is interesting if you study the history of that guy out after Christ. Uh, and, and, and some of them uh, were very serious about the Lord. A lot of them weren't. And so that's what we're doing here on the, uh, when we come on the sea. So the first thing we have is what is called the Sadducees. And if you know all this, that's all right. We, we'll just rehash it. And if Sadducees are made up of two bodies, one is called Pharisees. And by the way, that's what Paul was. Uh, Pharisees believed in the literal resurrection of the body. The Sadducees did not believe in a body resurrection, only in some kind of a one spiritual kind of thing. And of course, uh, so Pharisees and Sadducees, and of course, in, in uh, Bible students, Sadducees, you say, they're sad, you see, because they don't believe in the resurrection of the, 
of God, you know, or of anybody, of any believer uh, that uh, come along, not of God, I, I misquoted that. And uh, uh, let, let me just, uh, uh, I'm going to read this to you. Uh, we're going to jump over into Acts, and, and I'm going to read this very quickly from uh, uh, chapter 23 and, and verse 6, it says, But when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, they're judging him, by the way, uh, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. The hope of the resurrection of the dead am called in question. And when he had so said, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, neither angels nor spirit, but the Pharisees believe in both. And so Paul uses that to his advantage uh, to get him out of a jam uh, as he's uh, doing the, you know, the work of the Lord. And uh, so I, I like to throw that out there. And then we have what are called scribes. They're basically writers. The good thing about scribes down through the history, if you go back into the Old Testament, the Masoretic texts, when these scribes would be taking and copying this onto another piece of paper, so when this wore out, they'd have it, and they keep scribing the Word of God. When they came to the name of God, they would throw their ink pen down and fall on their face and cry out to God and pray, and they were terrified that somehow they would write down the name of, the God, of God wrong. Well, that's gone. These guys aren't like that anymore. And we've, uh, we have the, now we have the tradition taking place over the Bible. And <laughs> that's always a very dangerous thing. And, and so uh, these scribes are, are doing that. Uh, in, in the next chapter, chapter 12, I, I'm going to read to you verse uh, 38 uh, through 40 there. I'm trying to set this up. And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes, which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplace and the chief seats in the synagogue and the other much rooms in the feast. And he goes on and gives them some more about that. They tied what it was called a phylactery. If you were real pious, you tied it on your forehead. And they still do that in the Jewish community or on most commonly on their arm here. And the idea was to read the prayers. Uh, so you thought football players were out there uh, they don't have uh, their praise. Don't let that big guy hit me again. That's what, anyway, okay, that was my joke. <laughs> Uh, and, and they would walk through the marketplace in their flowing, beautiful purple robes. And, you know, we're, we're peons. We don't have any purple robe. We barely have sackcloth or something to wear. And they would walk through and pull their prayers out and read them so piously. Look at us. We're the leaders. And these guys can say, stone him. So you didn't make fun of them. The people were terrified by this time in history of most of the Jewish leaders in the churches. And, and so that's where that is. And then the other wording that he uses is the elders. Leaders among the ruling body, it, it means both. It means they had age. 
It also means that they had uh, uh, wisdom. Well, you know, we'll use that loosely because they have knowledge. Maybe I should say it that way. And so if, if you'll notice here, the Word of God tells us it's not just the chief priests, which there could be about. Normally, a body of chief priests would be in, in Jerusalem, 71 of them. So think about that. We have 71 of these guys. Then we have the Pharisees. Then we have the Sadducees. And then we have these ruling elders. That's a lot of people. And they approached Jesus Christ and they said, who gave you the authority to come into this temple and turn those tables over and run those people off? That's what they're saying. Now I read between the lines, but that's what's going on here. They're saying, we are the authority. Interesting Greek word there. I'm not a Greek scholar, but we have Greek lexicons and things that the Greek scholars have put together for us. And almost every time you see the word authority, every time I found anyway, it also equally means power. And it isn't that in this text it's authority, in this text it's power. It's both. If you have authority, you have power. If you were one of these really leading uh, rulers, you have power and authority. Stone him. And so uh, that this is a very the the the, the believers the, the, the followers of Jesus must have been going. This is our day. Lord will be there any minute now because they're going to stone us. The challenge, verse twenty-eight. And they say unto him, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority to do these things? Can you imagine that? God parts the Red Sea for Moses. We can go into the book of Daniel. He closes the mouths of the lion. This God of Moses, this God of Daniel... We have the three Hebrews that go into the fiery furnace and the, the, uh, they look into that and say, who is that? I see the three of them walking around in there and the flames aren't touching them and there's a fourth one and he looks like the Son of God. That's the authority. That's the power. Jonah, go preach in Nineveh. I hate those guys. They're the enemy. Not going. Going another direction. Okay, Jonah. You want to go that way? I've got something waiting for you. And of course the whale swallows Jonah, spits him out on the ground. God says, Jonah, yes, Lord. Go to Nineveh. Off he goes, man, and the greatest revival of the time takes place. And uh, people come to the Lord in amazing, amazing ways. Who gave you the authority to do these things? 
Maybe you think the temple guards said it's okay. Maybe you think some of the Roman soldiers said, go ahead and go in there and turn those tables over and do what you think you need to do to clean out this mess that's going on in there. Authority, power. I'm going to read a couple verses on that. I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 12 again in verse 24. You're getting there pretty quick. And Jesus answering said unto them, Do ye not therefore err because ye know not the scriptures, neither the power or authority, same Greek word, of God. And then we can jump over to chapter 26, and we see this coming up again because it's so important. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power, authority, and glory. Wow. Who gave you this authority? (laughs) He could have said, I am the authority. But he was very patient. He's teaching. He's allowing us, he's allowing his disciples to to learn something here. And he, he does that. In chapter 14 and verse 62, And Jesus said, I am, and ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, authority, same Greek word, and coming in the clouds of heaven. I love that one. That's a good one. And uh, in Matthew chapter uh, 6 and verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And for thine is the kingdom and the power, authority, and the glory forever and ever. Can you imagine saying to Jesus, who gave you the authority to do these things? There's an interesting thing in uh, the, the traditions of the temple. There was a lot of debating that went on. It was, it was fine for some of the scribes to challenge, or some of the Pharisees to challenge the Sadducees, and they would debate these things back and forth. And the rule of debate in the temple was, if someone asked you a question in debate form, you had the right to ask them a question. Boy, they were dumb, huh? Sin makes you stupid. So Jesus asked them a question. I love it. And Jesus, verse 29, answered and said unto them, I will also ask you one question and answer me. (laughs) You get this? This is God speaking. This is Jesus speaking. He didn't say, I would love you to answer me. Maybe you should think about answering me. Answer me. Now, he didn't say it in any kind of a rank way, but uh, uh, I'd like to think he did. (laughs) And I will tell you by what authority, there it is again, I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? Answer me. Ho, ho, ho. Boy, you talk about something, and uh, that's an interesting thing. Jesus knows something. First of all, number one, they can't answer him. 
because they don't have an answer. And then number two, and we'll, we'll, well, I'll, let's go read it and read it, and, and then I'll make a comment or two. And they reasoned with themselves in verse 31, saying, if we shall say from heaven, he will say, why then did not ye not believe him? But if we shall say of men, they feared the people, for all the men counted John to be a prophet indeed. And so they have this dilemma. that They literally, I'm sure, were, you know, mumbling over here, a bunch of them over here. Let's get together and get the three or four of the main rulers together and say, what are we going to say? If we say John's baptism was of man, it wasn't of God, the people believe he is a prophet, and he was, in a way, a New Testament prophet. The people will turn on us. They won't respect us anymore. If we say his baptism of, was of God, then we have to justify all of this and say it's okay that he does all of this. And so they literally didn't know what to say. And, and, and that was a good thing. We cannot tell. I love it. In verse 32, but if we shall say of men, they feared the people for all the men counted John and he was a prophet. And they answered and said unto Jesus, we cannot tell. I'd love, I, I'd like to, I wouldn't, well, Lord, no, I really don't want to even attempt it, but I'd like to be able to write a commentary on this. <laughs> We cannot tell. We don't know because we're dumb about spiritual things. Be my commentary. We cannot tell. And Jesus answered, saying unto them, Neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. What a great answer. It leaves them in a dilemma. They absolutely don't know what to do. But remember this. This is Jonah's God. Go to Nineveh. And by the way, he was very patient with Jonah. He used him in this mighty way. We do that a lot in our lives. And then there's, he's the same God that went into the fiery furnace. When you are going through a trial in your life, if there's something going on in your personal life, in your family life, uh, with your kids, with your adults, with your parents, with your spouses, with anybody and everybody and everything that's going on in the world today, whatever it is, my friends, if it's sickness, whatever it might be in your life, Jesus Christ has the authority and the power to give you the victory that you need in your life right now today just like he did that then Jesus wants you to go into his temple what is his temple? two things your body's a temple that's a whole nother subject but by temple I mean 
bring it into Jesus' presence. When you come into Jesus' presence in prayer, when you come like to an old-fashioned altar like this or a front pew, wherever it is, and you kneel down, you have come into the holy of holies where Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Father all live together in unity. Remember when Jesus was resurrected from the dead. The, the veil of the temple was torn in two because only the high priest could go behind that veil and they tied a rope on his leg in case he violated God. God struck him dead and they pulled him out by that rope because they could not enter into that special sanctuary because it was a holy place where only you can go through the power of God himself. And when you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and be your personal Lord and Savior, you not only get eternal life, which is everything, you get the power to go into that holy chamber. They don't have to tie a rope on my leg when I go into the presence of God because when I kneel down before God, I'm in his presence, I'm in his power, and with his authority, he says, my son, let me take that burden from you that you're carrying around on your shoulder, this chain that has wrapped you down and you're walking through life bent over because you don't have a victory, and I have the victory. You come, I am the power and the authority, and I will give you the victory. That's what I see when I read this passage of Scripture. Jesus is the authority to give you what you need in your life right now. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. I know as a body of believers in a few moments, we're going to look at what you've done for us to give us eternal life. Thank you that you are the power and the authority. In Christ's name, amen.